Welcome to the Resound Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 87. I'm Joel Payne. I'm Sam Hargreaves. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode, we'll be reviewing September's Jubilate Challenge, full of retuned hymns, hearing from Bible scholar and author Michael J. Rhodes, and setting a new challenge for October. Hi, Joel. Hi, Sam. Happy end of September. How's the run? How oh, the run. Okay, um, at risk of boring everyone with it, it was amazing and epic and terrible and wonderful <laughs> and all these things at once um i i made it to 91 miles before i had to no that's amazing yeah. i mean that is a long way isn't it that's... it's not quite the full hundred um but i was by the by that point i was going so slowly i had to hand nick off to somebody else to get him through to the end um and, and I was so just, did he finish my... yeah he did wow yeah um but I was, my legs were in such agony. Honestly, I could just barely take a step. I reached the point where I had sort of, I don't know, about half a mile to walk to somewhere so Rhiannon could pick me up. And I, mean, I was just terrified about half a mile. I was thinking, <laughs> I'm never going to make it. It was that bad, honestly. Oh, my word. Um, but so much of it was wonderful. You know, we ra- and one of the brilliant things was running through the night because it was horrible. And yet, um when you do something like that and you sort of have this special intense experience as well with a couple of friends doing it it's uh, i'd love to be back there in in such a really crazy way yeah i know it's really hard to explain it wow it was so deep and profound and so painful (laughs) (laughs) so um i'm not yet publicly committing to the idea of whether or not i want to try again oh my gosh um but Stop. It, would be ni- it would be nice to actually do the full hundred wouldn't it so, <laughs> i don't know i don't know maybe at some point yeah but thanks for asking and i managed to uh, pretty much i think raised what i was looking for when you take the fundraising and the gift aid together oh well done um so that's really good and that's going to contribute to our doxicology tour the doxicology tour what's that joel Oh, man, we're going on tour with our groundbreaking Doxicology album. Yay. Um, and, uh, yeah, ten, 10 nights, I think I've said this before, but it's all kind of getting, it's all in place now. We're starting to sell tickets and, and that sort of thing and do all the various bits of logistical working out, really hoping none of us get COVID. Yes. And um, I'm really excited about it. So excited to be partnering with our Russia. And then when we get to Glasgow itself, we're also going to team up with Tear Fund and Church of Scotland. So it's going to have a real sort of everyone together, Brilliant. end of COP26 type feel. Awesome. Um, so, and it's super fun doing a little tour. Um, so, and working with brilliant musicians. And um, I'm very much looking forward to that. So, um, doxicology.org. So, I mean, seriously, listeners, listeners one and all, if you are in the UK, we may well be going somewhere near you. Yay. So, come on, come and come and see, come and join in, come and say hello. We, we want you to. You'll get to meet other 12 Song Challenge alumni and glitterati as well. <laughs> Brilliant. That sounds really exciting. Mm. Anything else you've been up to? Well, we're, we're off on writing camp next week. Oh, aren't yeah. We, Sam? Yes. So, that's going to be cool. Really cool. Yeah. Like this is a newer thing we're just trying this year of a smaller gathering where where it's more sort of look we're all people who are regularly writing songs and using them in our ministry and so on and we just want to go away for a few days together. So we're going Monday to Friday around this house in the Midlands and um to write support one another very little agenda. Mm. Um, other than eat some nice food, enjoy some good company and um, bounce off one another with our songs. So we're off to do that next week. Really excited about it. Hopefully we'll have some songs to share with you afterwards. I hope so. Otherwise it didn't go very well. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Oh, and sorry. And we've, of course, of course, of course, of course, of course, I forgot. (laughs) The, The big worship songwriting retreat next year. Oh, yeah. We've already filled over 50 beds. That's incredible. It's incredible. And we've got this brilliant stuff. So we've got Jeremy Begbie's going to come and speak. We've got Rachel Wilhelm is coming. You and Sarah are going to be there. Mm. Uh, Geraldine, Lattie and Carey's coming too. Yay. So we're dead excited about that. Um, 
usual resound crowd, but we've also got Ryan Flanagan and family. Uh, so Ryan was on the previous podcast yeah. interview. They're going to come and join us for the whole thing as well. Um, so that's super exciting. Loads of people coming. We've got friends from the US, from Europe who, are, who have booked in already. So there are sort of about a handful and a half of, if you like, proper rooms <laughs> left, as in if you want to a single or you want to share a twin room there's plenty of space in dorm rooms and camping or day tickets and you can find a local b&b or something um but it is filling up quickly that's exciting um, and oh, i'm so excited about it there are people on there i've wanted to meet for years yeah now, yeah because yeah. you know and i'm and i'm really excited that they're coming oh brilliant well done yeah yeah how about you sam what you've been up to uh, yeah, not a lot. We're going to, uh, well, the writing camp next week and then the end of the week, I'm going to LST to do a, a morning, um, a community day thing they're doing. And we're going to do a bunch of doxicology songs and talk about cool. outdoor worship and worship in the woods and stuff with them. So that'd be good. Um, but yeah, otherwise working on some resources for next year and just trying to yeah, get things going again. Do you know what we're not going to do now is... Dissects classic. I, we, we're going to have a break. We, you may have noticed we're already having a break from it. We're going to give a little rest for a while because we have sort of felt like we're beginning to say the same things about songs and um, slightly running out of classics. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then realising that some of the newer classics are not familiar enough with to say much about and so on. Um, so we're going to have a bit of a pause from dissecting a classic. Although if you go back through the uh, back catalogue, there must be about 60 or 70 of them in there that you can you can look through uh, and have a listen through. Someone did suggest actually we should put them out as a series of just little mini mini podcasts and I think that is quite a good idea. Yeah. Um, should I have the time at some point I may try and do it. And uh, and then in the future maybe we'll we'll think of a new way of doing it. Maybe it'd be really nice to sort of hear some stories behind classic songs or I don't yeah, know yeah, something yeah. Or, or get some other people in to do it. Mm. We will see. Awesome. 12 Song Challenge! If you're wondering what that wonderful <laughs> rendition of our jingle was there uh, for the 12 Song Challenge, um, a group of uh, 12 Song Challenge writers met up at United Adoration Retreat last week in Minnesota. And uh, as well as writing songs... They uh, recorded the jingle in this in that really rather manly way, and so we. I was great. How wonderful to see our friends over in Minnesota getting together and doing stuff, but remembering us, yeah, as well. So if you thank get, you for that. If you get together with other twelve song challenges, please do record the jingle. Oh yes, when you when you get together, we'd love more. We'd love a a, a much more feminine version. That would be nice. That would be yeah. a disco version. Um, yeah. Do wop whatever you whatever you got. <laughs> yes, that would be good. There are actually uh, some things happening. Um, check the Facebook group. Check the general tab in Slack because um, there's a Southwest gathering. Mm. People are just doing this, and I love it. Like if you're listening to this and you want to create a gathering and gather writers, please Do just it. crack on with it. So there's a Southwest one that's that's been cooked up, and there's a North. Um, one as well that is being uh, it's on at the moment I think like we've even got possible dates out for them mm. and stuff so go and check that stuff and get together and the United Adoration online uh, Saturdays that's mm. been changed to mornings there's a trial of doing it as mornings so uh, if people want to do those obviously they're all again on, on Slack and on um, Facebook is all the details uh, but they're really good and I think those uh, those timings might make it a little bit more accessible for people. So do do make a date of those. Absolutely. Um, so let's uh, reflect back on the September challenge. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to talk to Keiko uh, in a separately recorded but subsequent but later inserted segment. <laughs> but before that happens, <laughs> I wondered if you had any particular reflections, Sam, on this last month. I found this super, super encouraging because um, kind of behind the scenes, uh, you and I are quite involved in Jubilate and kind mm. of trying to um, both encourage new material through Jubilate and, and, and then resound 
but also, you know, really sort of safeguard that heritage of of him writing and songwriting. And often, I think Jubilati gets um, associated with the sort of uh, the the tweaked uh, old hymn lyrics, which is fine, or with you know particular writers or particular hymns. But actually, there's such a wealth there, and to see people digging into it and getting really excited about a Michael Perry piece or an Emma Tell piece or just and then sort of you know the the wealth of music you know people would write uh music that I would think oh my gosh that would was not what I would have thought of at all but it just mm. so worked with those words and and to see you know that I think Jubilee does have a breadth of of themes and to see those breadth of themes across slack as people are posting you know songs about work and songs about yeah you know, darkness or difficulty or, you know, hymns of joy and praise, all that breadth, but, you know, coming out from our writers is so exciting. I too thought it was absolutely wonderful, massively encouraging. Uh, I mean, let's be really honest here. Writing words is the hard bit (laughs) when it comes to writing songs. So when someone has done all that work for you, oh man, Mm. you can just relax. You can listen to the words, let them help help you find the tune. So yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, I've actually got one or two stats on the most popular authors. I thought this was quite interesting. So um, being ever the stato, um, the most popular was so far, or as I would say, was Michael Perry. So 20 people have picked Michael Perry. We've said before, he's a bit of a hero for us, isn't he? Absolutely. Chris Idle was up there as well, and Emma Turl. So those three sort of off way ahead of the pack in terms of um authors whose works have been looked at and they are all prolific to be fair so yeah. it's you know it's it, it stands to reason that they would be selected but I, I thought that was quite interesting but then a bunch of other people some of whom to be honest i'd never even heard of and um but they are there somewhere yeah. deep in the deep in the archives and people have pulled them out uh so let's dive in to the highlights of september Well, I'm delighted to be joined to review September by the wonderful Keiko. Hi, Keiko. Hello, hello. Um, It's been quite a month. Sam and I have already chatted a little bit about how, frankly, wonderful we think everybody is. Um, Oh, it's true. But I bet it's been tough for you digging through to try and pick some favourites. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I feel like we say it every time, but I mean, it's so true. There are just so many good ones that when when you pick them, it feels a little bit arbitrary. But yeah. but yes, there's so many great great songs. It's like choosing one of your favourite children, isn't it? You, you're not really <laughs> you're not really allowed, even if you've secretly got one. <laughs> that's right. Well, so you can choose a favourite child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but occasionally, occasionally, even he slips out of the reckoning, <laughs> depending on what's going on. <laughs> you are my least favourite. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, well, let's let's jump straight in because I think there's loads of stuff. We'll try and feature a decent number this month. Let's. Well, who's your first one? Um, the first one is Kate. So, um, Kate, Kate who? I. <laughs> she did not include her last name conveniently. Oh, probably think, for my sake. So now I don't have to you. mess it up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yes, Kate. She um, took a set of lyrics called "Had Not the Lord" by. Um, I think by Isaac Watts originally, and then David Preston, um, I don't know, sort of rewrote them. But anyway, I love her song. She she said she didn't feel um, super comfortable with, you know, piano or guitar or anything. So she sang it a cappella, mm. and I I I loved it. And I feel like that really speaks to the strength of the melody. Um, that it was so catchy, uh, with no instruments whatsoever. So with her permission. Um, I had a little fun with it and added some vocals, um, some harmony, and Chris Taylor jumped on and added some percussion. So, um, yeah, we should have a listen to it. Although I have to say, I did my best to uh, copy your accent, her accent. You can tell me <laughs> if I did. You can tell me if I did a good job at singing along with her. Sure. I'll try and do something. I mean, I loved this one and I couldn't stop singing it. The rest of the, no, once I'd I'd listened to it, it was just going round around my head all night. So Um, catchy. What I'll try and do is sort of play the opening bit of the original and then I'll I'll sort of blend into the bit where we add uh, the cello and the percussion as well. And I think that would be nice. All right, sounds good. So, So here is Kate with 
Had not the Lord. Had not the Lord, let Israel say, had not the Lord been on our side, when men who took us for their prey attacked us like a surging tide. The waters would have stopped our breath, and stifled our despairing cries We should have been engulfed in death So swiftly did the waters rise The Lord be praised, our cries were heard The wolves were not to The next song that I just love is by Sue Crossman. So um, she chose a lyric called Heal Me, Hands of Jesus. Um, It's just a beautiful text, um, uh, so sort of raw and tender. And then she added um, a great chorus. And it's got this incredible um, contemporary feel. Like when you hear her sing it, you would never guess that it was a pre-existing older hymn lyric. Um, Yeah, I I just loved it. So I I personally uh, respond a lot to harmony and the way harmonies have very specific kind of emotional content to them. And I love how she, um, the verses are sort of pleading, um, asking the Lord for help, forgive me, you know, um, these kinds of things. And so she harmonically hovers around four and five with this sort of unsettled questioning kind of longing kind of feel and then when you get to the chorus it like lands for the first time really strongly on the um on the one chord on the home chord and so there's a sense of release and arrival and resolution that you finally get to and it's just it's just so beautiful heal me hands of jesus search out all fantastic wow i I can't quite believe that sue didn't write the whole thing in right it it feels like it belongs together and the the voice of the chorus is so consistent with the voice of the verses it it's really hard to do that and not sound like you just shoved your own thing in to the Mm -hmm, middle of a hymn mm -hmm. so i think that's fantastic I love the um, the pattern she said it, da 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 da, and then she goes up, you know, this falling gesture twice, and then she goes up, yeah da 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 da. And if it were me, it would be I'd probably go yeah da 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 da. But I love her little yeah da da. Um, just just so pretty, um, yeah, and so perfectly integrated. Beautiful. Let's have another one. Okay, so day forty who is my dad, chose chose a text called Hear the Words of Love by Horatius Bonar. And um, I love it. It has this sort of classic kind of hymn-like quality, but um, with some lyrical freshness and these beautiful kind of harmonic um, twists to it. Um, I really like, he's got this kind of falling fifth melodic gesture that repeats really nicely and it helps you feel like you know it's coming um and then it's beautifully balanced by some you know after the falling fifths is sort of a, a lifting uh 
a lifting melody that lifts on the perfect on these perfect moments, you know, sure as God's eternal throne. I don't know if you'll get there in the recording, but or his love not mine upholds my faith is the high point of these verses. So he just did a, a great job, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I feel like I can, uh, uh, so you don't get too embarrassed talking about your dad. I can also say, <laughs> I think he did a great job. It has the feel of a tune that has always been the tune for these words. And that I should remember from, you know, from years ago, like it, it feels like it feels so natural in the way that a folk, you know, a good folk melody it's not this is especially folky, but the, the sort of the essence of a folk melody is one that it just feels natural to sing. It just you feel at home in it straight away, and I feel like that's what he's achieved with this. I hear the words of love. I trust in Jesus' blood. I see the mighty sacrifice, and I have peace with God. This everlasting. I really liked Emma Billington's How Widely Now Does Christ Stretch Out His Arms um, is the name of her uh, lyric. And she wrote a relatively simple melody. Um, it's, it's beautiful. It's e really easy to catch on to. Um, and then, but she sort of uh, makes it so juicy and warm with tons of sevenths underneath, harmonically underneath. Um, and then it was so cool. I don't know if you'll be able to play this uh, on the podcast, but she um, asked for help to sing. I mean, it's it sort of feels like it's for a choir. And so all these people jumped on and recorded um, SATV, and that sounds amazing. We have got, yeah, we've got that version. So um, Mike and Christelle and Ian and Mike's son, Archie and yeah. uh, Emma. Yeah, come on, let's, let's have a listen to it. Let's have another. Okay. Audrey Linton. <gasps> Audrey Linton. I've look, I'm looking forward to this one. This is amazing. Um, I think the lyric is called I'm the Bread of Life. Mm. Um, but she did it with her, I think, with her, someone else in her um, worship team. Yeah. Um, so she's not singing on it, but oh my gosh, it sounds amazing. You just have to hear it. The bread, the bread of life, oh, who comes to me will never, never hunger, mm. oh, I am the bread, the bread of heaven, who feeds on me will never, never, never die. 
When you eat, then you remember me My body broken on the tree My life was given to set you free I'm alive forevermore I am the bread, the bread of life Who comes to me will never hunger I'm big by my face I am the bread <laughs> The bread of life, oh yeah. The feet of me will never, never, never die. I am the, I am the vine, the living vine. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, the real vine. Abide in me, abide in me. I think I'm going to give up songwriting. Now, after that, I think I can't even get close. That is gold. I mean, okay, so it's different, isn't it, to the other stuff? And it's clearly fun because um, even the people singing it are laughing as they go. Um, But there's a couple of things I love about it. One is that it is a really uniform melody. It's so easy to get hold of. Um, so easy to, to join in with, um, and I love as well that it's a sort of it's a classic, it's a classic bit of Bible verse. I am the bread of life, and so on. And I guess you probably don't have this in America, Keiko, but we sometimes have a kind of Parsons voice in the UK, a slightly sort of po-faced. This is how we read the Bible, and I am the bread <laughs> of life, and it's just light years away from that, and it feels like. What a joyful thing Jesus is saying. What a mm. joyful thing he is offering. And so I, I feel like it captures the the essence of that. And I can hear, I can so hear Audrey's style in there. I got to know Audrey a little bit mm. on the retreat. She was in my group and mm. um, definitely in there. And just when it, you're just waiting to get back to that, I am the bread, mm. the bread of life. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So I um, I love Andy Clark's voices. Uh, voices echo through the night. I thought you were going to say I love Andy Clark's voice, and and he was listening. I do thinking, love his oh, voice. Oh, she loves my voice, and then it turns <laughs> out. <laughs> I love I love his voice too, and I love it. Oh my gosh, he's such a killer pianist. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. I love the way he plays on this one, but um, yeah, I really like his melody. It's very simple and very easy to. Um, sing along with. Maybe we can listen to it um, and then just comment on it after. Sure. Voices echo through the night Hallelujah Praise the Lord who reigns in light Hallelujah Hands are lifted does it again over a different chord so you you sort of feel it shifting under you the harmony shifting underneath um but the melody itself is quite simple so it's easy to join in i mean i feel like i could start singing with him you know about five seconds into the song almost um you know so it's that intuitive but he just um uh yeah the harmony underneath really kind of changes the flavor each time you sing that 
that the repetition. I feel like we should throw in one or two other honourable mentions just because because um, there are so many good efforts. I thought Stephen McPhee did a great thing this time. Um, he just pushed the boat out, did something different, and I, and I loved it. Anything else that grabbed you? Um, Elise Massa did this beautiful uh, Christmas song, Oh Come Christian's Wonder. Yeah. Um, to go check it out. It's beautiful. Um, Eric. Graf, Graf, I've forgotten now. Graf, isn't it? Um, Graf. Graf, Eric. I mean, Eric was really brave because he took a a bit of a classic, a Michael Perry classic, which is normally set to a tune by Holst and had a go at doing it himself mm. and totally different sound to it, which I thought was really brave and and um, I loved that he did that. And I I'd also should say um, hats off to Rachel Wilhelm who took a fairly jolly little piece and wrote a fairly jolly little tune to it. Uh, and well done, because we're a tr it's a challenge, this thing, and we're trying to push you all outside your boundaries. So all that remains is to give us a star of the month. But before you do that, the brand new star of the month jingle, as provided by the great Ian Edgerson. Star, 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 star of the month. We've lost Keiko. <laughs> but I gotta hear that again. Can you play that again? Yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> star, 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 star of the month. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, <woo. laughs> oh. That is the best. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful. Oh. That's great. So, uh, yes, we now we, we now. I mean, we've really built this up. So, <laughs> we we definitely need a star. The star of the month, I think, it's got to be Chris Taylor. Um, yes, he's he he's such a great writer. He's so helpful with his comments and with his voice. I mean, he added um, added so much to other people's recordings. Um, with his voice and with his uh, percussion. And he's just sort of generally so supportive and so helpful um, everywhere. So yay, Chris Taylor. Great stuff, Chris. Thank you. And thank you, Keiko. Oh, sure. My pleasure. 12 it's time to set a new challenge for October. And Sam, do you know what the new challenge for October is going to be? Um, Halloween songs. Yay! No, the challenge for October is going to be a bit of a classic Christian songwriting thing, um, but maybe with a slight twist. And it's going to be singing the Psalms. Yeah! So October, we want you to jump into the Psalms and write your songs from in there. We'll explain more of that in a moment. Um, but first, I met up this week with uh, Michael Rhodes and... Um, who had quite a lot to say about songs and the Psalms a couple of weeks ago on social media. And he seemed like such a good guy. I thought, well, I'll interview him. So there is a longer interview as usual out there. Um, but, uh, and we'll put that out very shortly as well, because it's particularly relevant to this month. But for now, let's just have a little clip from that to give us a flavor of what we're talking about. Uh, I'm Presbyterian, but I'm not one of the Presbyterians who thinks like, well, really, we should just be singing the Psalms. Okay. There are, you know, there are those of us out there. Um, I do think that if I were to summarize in a sentence in terms of singing, what I think our best ways forward would be, one is we really do need more musical arrangements of the actual psalms. We really do need more of that. Um, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't make sense given the command to sing a new song, you know, to never write a new song, yeah. but it certainly doesn't make any sense to never sing psalms, right? Which is, I honestly think what most of us do. I mean, I think yeah. very few of us sing psalms in their entirety very often. But then I think the other thing that can be done, and I would love for communities like yours to help me think through how to do this, but it seems to me that the psalms should serve as an authoritative uh, paradigm against which to test new songwriting that we do. So in other words... It, it should serve as the measuring rod 
So like, let's say we create new worship songs. How do we use the Psalms as like a test to say, right. okay, well, has the new stuff that we've created, does it have the same emotional range? Does it have the same uh, sort of cadence and idiom? Not literally the same cadence and idiom because uh, these are, you know, Israelite. It, contextual worship suggests we, it shouldn't sound exactly the same in terms of like musicality yeah. and all that. But, but, um, for instance, I think the psalm suggests you can say anything you want to to God as long as you say it to him and as long as you say it uh, uh, in his presence with Peter saying, you know, basically, where will we go, right? So the psalms, you know, I've, I've used the analogy in, in classes that like the angry psalms are like a husband and a wife sitting at the table when they have a relationship that's strong, so one can say to the other, this is how you really made me feel, and I'm not getting up from the table until we've sorted it out, mm-hmm. right? So those two moves, to God and and not on the way out the door, right, uh, to me are two of the principles for lament and imprecation that I, I am sensing. So, you know, it seems to me like songwriters could be asking – do we sing that way? Do we give people that permission? Do we yeah. help them say that thing? You know, Brent Strong is a friend. I've mentioned him a couple times. He's got this great essay. I can't remember where it is. Um, I can't remember where it is. Might be in the Oxford Handbook on the Psalms about Psalms and trauma and about how his his brother, um, Brent's brother, Brad Strong, is a psychologist. And so they've done some work together. And there's all this research on how disclosing trauma is part of the healing process. Suppressing traumatic experiences creates physiological harm, right? This is what therapists have discovered. And so then Strawn is saying, what if the Psalms are scripts that allow people to disclose trauma that's not exactly their own yet, like in a safe place to move towards that, right? What if this is a part of the way the community learns that traumatic experiences have to be disclosed to God, you know, it's all sort of thing. So we could be asking, do our songs help us do what the Psalms do? So I think we need new musical arrangements of the Psalms, but we also need songwriters who are immersed in the Psalms to such an extent that they can ask, does what our community is saying reflect that? Is it a creative new song in line with the Psalms, right? Um does it have a recognizable family resemblance to the Psalter? Um, and probably that begins with praying these texts. I mean, personally, um, a few years ago, you know, this is kind of my second or third time to dig into the Psalms. And a few years ago, I mean, maybe this will change, but I just kind of decided whatever I do devotionally in my life, I'm never not going to be praying the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Like I, This is just going to be a core part of my hopefully daily life with God. Um, and that's been really transformative to me. And I think uh, we need songwriters who are committed to praying the Psalms personally, uh, because that too is how we learn the language of faith. Um, uh, Cause it's funny, you know, I'm going to just say this as a side and then I'll shut up. You know, a, a few of my students at Carrie have sent me things that said, oh, doesn't this seem to be a great example of a modern day lament song or whatever that's maybe outside the word? And on a couple of cases, I've thought, no, that's actually a bad example in part because um, I think it's funny, uh, particularly as, as a lot of us are in increasingly post-Christian contexts, people are wrestling with their faith in new ways. You know, the idea that we can say uncharitable things about God is in vogue, right? You go on Facebook, yeah. you're, 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 the people in the pews are complaining about God, right? Uh, they're asking difficult questions, but what they're not doing is doing that to God, mm. right? There is a lot of anger about injustice, but is it expressed to God? Because to me, actually what we're seeing a lot of times when people kind of are, are struggling with their faith is that their doubts about God and their anger about suffering and injustice have not been allowed to be brought into God's presence where the Psalms would bring them. And so they're going out into the community in ways that are actually unhealthy from the from a biblical perspective, right? Like, like again, to use the marriage, the marriage uh, example, 
I think that my wife, Rebecca, should be able to say anything to me about how I'm making her feel. But I don't think she should feel the freedom to go tell, like, all of her friends how she feels about me before she's talked to me about it. Like, like there's, there's actually, it's actually possible to betray the relationship if, if other places are safer than the relationship itself. And um, Eric Zinger, who's written this really important book, A God of Vengeance, question mark, on the Psalms, you know, he says the Psalms are, are serious about the conviction that we can say anything to God as long as we say it to him as our parent, you know? So those would be the beginning beginnings of thoughts that I, I would have about, you know, for songwriters who play this really crucial role. Um, another piece of feedback that I received and that I wholeheartedly agree with is that it's also not um, the worship leader's sole responsibility. Like some of these texts are dangerous, mm. right? Um, if used poorly. And so there needs to be teaching and preaching on the Psalms. It's not fair to put all the responsibility on this, um, on the guys, men and women up front singing, right? The pa- We need pastors and theologians and lay leaders and Sunday schools, whatever adult church education. If, if we really want to reclaim the language of faith as we encounter it in the Psalms, it's, it's a whole church issue. Um, and w- without that, we're, it's, it's not going to go very far, I don't think. Mate, that's awesome. I have been, I, when I was listening to the whole interview, I was writing notes and look how many notes I just filled oh, you the have, page yeah. of, of, of quotable quotes. For example, I don't know what uh, clip you use there exactly, but he talks about say it to God's face. If you're going to say it, nice, you know, say it, but say it to God's face. Uh, and I thought that was, that's really good. If that makes no sense, then listen to the old interview. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Um, I also got the sense as I was doing it that, um, he would have very happily carried on talking for two hours if I hadn't interrupted, like in a good way. It was one of those things where you sort of tap into someone's yeah, thing absolutely. and they're like, oh, yes, I will need to tell you all about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I loved it. And um, we even carried on after the interview chatting until until his battery ran out <laughs> his laptop. <laughs> so it was really good. So, um, yeah, we're going to write songs from the psalms and that uh, that's sort of the expression or from a psalm um and there are three kind of three key ways so i'll just i'll say those three key ways you could do it and then we'll we'll dig into those a bit the first is that you could literally um do a word for word setting if you want it's very difficult to do Mm. but you could have a go uh, or more or less word for word um based on your bible version you could do a, a metrical version or a paraphrase. So a metrical version is what you tend to have in, in more like the hymns that we've just done. You set it to a certain meter and make it fit and therefore you have to paraphrase the language. And that could be a really extensive paraphrase if you want mm. or it could be minor tweaks to make stuff fit. And then the third thing is that you could... Um, well, you could write from within the psalm in the spirit of the psalm but write some of your own stuff around it. So you might, for example, take a kind of refrain from the psalm and some of the language, but also expand upon it as you go. Yeah, I was thinking of an example of that uh, I was listening to yesterday was the Isaac Waddell's uh, Psalm 126, Although We Are Weeping, from the Bifrost Arts um, stuff. It's a really great example of, it's got a lot of the language of the psalm, but it's not trying to set that psalm you know, line by line, um, you you definitely get the sense of the psalm, um, mm. but it's sort of inhabiting it. I like that one as well. On the if you go onto the Bandcamp page, there's the the sort of the official studio version. Then there's a live version recorded at Hope College yeah, Chapel yeah, yeah. Um, with Bruce Benedict and, and friends, which is magic. Yeah, it's just got so much something about it. Yeah. So I, I recommend Absolutely. that version. So the key thing is that the psalm. You pick a psalm and you could label your song with that psalm. Yeah. Even if what you do is go on to interpret it. That's fine. Absolutely. So you've got a range of options. There. But what we really want to do, very much in the light of the stuff that Michael says, and please listen to the other mm. podcast that's going to come out alongside this. Um, we don't want to skip the difficult bits. Yes. In fact, frankly, we want to home in on the difficult yes. bits and grapple with them and figure out what to do with them and find ways of singing them. We don't want to lose the the richness of themes, 
that they're in the Psalms and just kind of default to the classics, which you could sometimes do. Yeah, and Michael had this thing about uh, we need to take time to learn the language of the Psalms because they don't talk to God how we do. Mm. And I really think that that could be a, a key thing. Something I'm going to try and do is read a Psalm. And if I find something, I think, well, that's not how I would talk to God. Maybe that's the thing to focus in on. And there's almost that thing of like daring to write some lines. I mean, you may not end up using it. It might hit the cutting room floor before you actually use it with your church, but maybe dare to write some lines into your song that do come more directly from the Psalm and are more uncomfortable for you. But, you know, dare to go there in the process um, and see, see where that leads you. Yeah. Uh, Again, Michael talked about how there are, lots of times that argue with God, that yeah. ask questions. Um, so again, encouragement to feel really comfortable putting that in. Um, and it may be the psalmist's language or it, it may be your language. I think related to that is is writing the psalm of someone else. He talked yeah. a little bit about that. Like there's some psalms that we, um, we read them and go, well, gosh, how can they say that? You know, mm. but actually if you start to read it through so I heard um, John Whitfleet gave a talk and he talked about reading the Psalms through different frames. So if you read it through the frame of David or the frame of Israel in exile, um, then you start to see, oh, that's why they might have said that. Or you read it with a Christological frame in the light of Jesus and the cross, or you read it through someone today. You know, you think about um, the imprecatory Psalms, you know, people yeah. wishing ill on their enemies and that's pretty abhorrent to us as we sit in our very comfortable lives. But actually, you can understand someone in Afghanistan right now. You know, that might be a more um, understandable thing for them to want to say to God. So so maybe if you're coming across some of the things that you're finding more challenging, think, well, who's, whose eyes can I read this through or who can I write this song um, sort of with in, in a, in a yeah. sense? Yeah, I like that. And the our sort of our paradigm of what songs are for in church mm. can be quite restrictive. Yeah. When we come to something like the Psalms, we say, hang on a minute, we've got this idea that songs are for expressing your love and devotion to Jesus and there seems to be loads of other stuff in mm. here. And so I think, you know, let them stretch your paradigm let them break it if if need be Th- think differently about what how would i use if i if i wrote this song how would i then use it in the life of my community mm. and and then write with that in mind so try and kind of sh- shape it by the way that you might use the particular thing so we talked to, uh, about the metrical thing already but but what how else would you deal with you know some of those songs are, are big and long and there's a lot going on how would you sort of eat the elephant with some of these psalms what does eat the elephant mean is that a real phrase yeah like you how do you eat an elephant one piece at a time or something oh yeah that's nice um we did a really good interview a couple of years ago wendell kimbrute which i would suggest you go and dig out as well because um he is this he's a um he's an artist in residence as well as a worship pastor. So he has this thing of, he's expected to create all the time. And one of the things he does is the Psalm of the week. Mm. He will take it and he will look, basically look for the refrain in it. Mm. And I think it's a really great way to approach it is he'd say, look for the refrain. And then actually what he'd do is just sing the refrain as part of the Psalm reading with his congregation. And then the ones that really took off, he'd take off, he'd take <laughs> away and, and try turning into a song. So that's a really good approach with the Psalm is just to read it through. And what's the thing, what's the thing that grabs you? What feels like it's the center of the Psalm or the, or the key verse that the whole of thing hangs upon or whatever it might be, which when you said it alongside everything there kind of makes sense of it. So look for a refrain, compose that, sing that first and then work your way into the content. I think that's a really good approach. So there you go. There is the Singing the Psalms Challenge for October. Well, that's all for this month. I just need to introduce our featured song to end the podcast. And this time, having done a Jubilate Challenge, this is actually a new Jubilate hymn that has literally just come out. It's part of a new collection of hymns, which is... Um, called Until Your Earth is Whole, subtitled Hymns for Our Contemporary World, dealing with contemporary issues. And um, this is one by um, Lucy Hannah Mills, which deals with themes of mental health. 
and uh, actually involves a couple of resound writers on the tune for it so it would be great to give that a bit of exposure and then you can go and check out the rest of the collection oh god of strength and everlasting kindness until next time bye 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 <laughs>